0: Mateus, let's just take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Surfshark. Um, This weekend, I'm going to Oslo. And obviously, on my way there, I'm going to be using all sorts of different public Wi-Fi. And I I think these guys are definitely going to be the best way to keep my data safe whilst I'm traveling.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you're switching between public Wi-Fi like that uh, on a journey all the way to Norway, you definitely want to be protected by a good service like Surfshark.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's not I think most people don't realize that when you're on public Wi-Fi, there are ways that people can get into, into your data. And it's not just the things maybe you don't want people to see. It's the uh it's the other stuff that they can take and then sell on or abuse. So you really need to keep yourself safe when, when on public data, and not just public as well, this is gonna keep you safe on your home Wi-Fi. It's gonna keep your data safe wherever you are, and I think that's definitely important.
1: I think it is. I think it's very important to keep yourself safe. Um, Not just from, you know, people who could have nefarious uh, intent and all that stuff, but also simply just to make sure that you're not being tracked by a bunch of uh, people who are trying to sell you ads and sell you all kinds of stuff all the time. Like maybe, maybe you don't want that.
0: Exactly. So you're going to, you get a limited number of devices through your subscription you get a hundred percent money back guarantee for your first 30 days. I mean, there's very little reason not to at least give this a try. Um, so if you wanna if you want to give it a go and protect your data, just pop over to surfshark.deals forward slash nmp and you're gonna get 83% off plus three months free. And um, Mateus, do you do you wanna let him know know
1: that again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, go over to surfshark.deals slash. NMP and get 83% plus three months for free on this deal. I think that's really amazing. Exactly. It's cheaper. It's
0: cheaper than the competitors. It literally works out at pence a day. So just pop over to surfshire.deals forward slash NMP, 83% off, three months free. There's fucking no reason not to. Sorry for swearing, Shan. I apologize. Leave it in there. All right. There we go. Let's get out of here. Did that work? (laughs) <laughs> Shadow, figure it out. Run away. Welcome to the Naughty Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, owner of Company Horns Voted, and I'm joined once again by my co-host Matthias Nordvig. Unfortunately, he missed last week and he's back. So welcome.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. It's great to be back. Um, Yeah, it's been a couple of uh, interesting weeks, but uh, finally got everything settled. And uh, I am back once again to bestow my wisdom on all of you. And this time we are joined by Arnas Ferravicius. Um, the very famous actor who is apparently impressed at uh, of, of my <laughs> pronunciation of his name. Uh, you hopefully know him as Citric from uh, The Last Kingdom. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having
2: me, everyone. I, again, once again, I apologize for uh, taking my time to showing up. Uh, here I am. I, <laughs> I appreciate you We got. So you I, I want to let everyone know I'm I'm here as a student. I'm just preparing, everyone. I'm more. Well, I'm a student here, so.
0: we are you know you're welcome Uh, Mateus teaches everybody we're all students of him I feel every single week so yeah I'm glad we we finally made this happen you know we've we've booked it unbooked it moved it we've been speaking about it for maybe like
2: a year now yeah but the fact I feel like uh, also we've We've sort sort of been in communication for, for for how long now? What two three years? Also, by the way, Horns of Odin, like that's that's Ooh. when I first met you. Years. You know, this ago. is why,
0: this is why you're my favorite out of the show.
2: I'm say it right now. <laughs> quick <laughs> plug. Always good with a quick plug. unless so have- unless Alex just popped up. <laughs> and we have so much, and you've sent a, sent both me and Alex uh, and other Last Kingdom members such cool stuff over the years. So it's just nice to finally like who is that man that keeps sending
0: these amazing (laughs) (laughs) weird man who just sends stuff (laughs) 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 hopefully i don't have that reputation
2: no No. no. i'm like oh my god where's the have you where's the package have i received the package yet no it's not so we're constantly waiting
1: (laughs) so that's what your life is about just waiting for packets from me
2: me i'm like Every time I was on Last Kingdom, I'd be like, I'd turn up to set and like, oh, nice, we need you to make up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makeup is the package here yet? <laughs> <laughs> and is it here yet? Like, what package? What package? And then you know, if a couple of weeks pass, and then you here you have it. Boom. <laughs> it looks good. It thank looks good. Very much. Thank you.
0: It suits you. Um, no, thank you very much. I mean, like I said, people are going to know you from a Citric from the Last Kingdom. Uh, I finished it yesterday. The, oh, is it good, I
2: haven't, seen, I haven't had time yet. I mean,
0: whew, I didn't have a dry eye, of, a dry eye for an episode. Oh, that was it, it. Got me.
2: Mate, it definitely monoxide, got me. Is your carbon monoxide meter okay? Because you might be. There might be gas in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um,
0: yeah. I, I think the show got better and better as the seasons progressed. I enjoy. I enjoyed it from the start, but it just seems to have improved like a like a rolling stone just getting bigger and better maybe not a rolling stone, like a snowball mm. you know like a snowball just getting bigger and better as it goes on um,
2: um, the, rolling to the stone, last the rolling stone kind of crashes something everything in, in front of it so it's also good sorry <laughs> <laughs> exactly um
0: yeah it just seems to have got bigger and, and until it's just become this powerhouse you, you, you know you're hitting top the top spot on Netflix, the biggest show in you know in the world on there, it's coming up as number one. It's trending here, then everywhere. You're all just turning to superstars. I think. Did you ever expect that when you? Because did you come in in season two,
2: three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, season two. I. Um, it's a very, uh, I think, surreal ride for all of us because especially this, this when this season five came out because we were at the time we're shooting the movie that you probably I don't know if you heard of. Uh, So we're doing the last kingdom like a special. And as this, the season came out, we were sort of working at the time. So it's just this surreal thing because you're doing the thing and then it's coming out, but you're not really thinking about it. And all of a sudden people like, yeah, yeah, it's great. And you're like, Oh, so it's fascinating Mm -hmm. how over the years um, it has become what it has. And I don't think, I don't think any of us expected it because we just I mean, I think everybody was just trying to do the best job they can and help each other out as much as we can, and and I guess this this result that it seems so nice uh, ultimately feels like just a side effect, like a byproduct of us trying to
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, do something meaningful, hopefully. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think that I, for me, that's a I love to hear that because I think the the one of the major things as to why it's been so so successful is the is the clear bond between actors and characters. And I think it screams on the, on the screen when the, when the show comes out. But you all seem to get on so well, particularly so obviously you, Alex, and Mark Rowley. Um, you seem to have a really close bond. You, anybody who follows your Instagrams quite clearly see you all play jokes on each other, pranks. And, and there seems to be a genuine care for each other. And that, it's so obvious when, when the,
2: the show comes out. Oh, man. Thank you so much, man. I mean, that really, really means a lot because um, I think at season three, we clicked, we we caught that feeling and we're like, wait a minute, this is, we have to, you know, be about each other. And um, it's just nice that, you know, people sort of noticed that. But ultimately, I think when we finished shooting the movie, somebody asked, like, why is this show? Why do people love it so much? Why do people love working on it? Because not only do people, it's it's been very successful for which we're very grateful, but there's this constant atmosphere on set throughout the years that everybody just loves being there. You know, all the actors, all Mm -hmm. the crew members, and we all match and and I and we were wondering what's the what's the secret sauce that makes Mm -hmm. it that? And um I sort of try to break it down. And I think we've come to the conclusion that the only constant throughout all these seasons is Alex. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things change. We had Producers are always the same. Some of the directors change, this and that changes, but there's one constant throughout the thing that is just constantly good and nice to everyone. And it's trying to create this atmosphere. And I think it's, uh, it's a huge testament to what an amazing number one Alex is. And he just taught us all that there's a way to make a set and a show inv- to involve everyone. And I think that energy from him trickled down onto the rest of us. And I think that's one of the sole reasons why we have that brotherhood, because we, his his demeanor towards everyone, when I first met him, I was like, wait, how is he so nice to everyone? And I think partly because of that, we sort of just like, we want to do good. So I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty think,
1: cool. Like you know having having a, a lead that actually leads in that way yeah mm-hmm. i think i remember that's the that's this is a bit cheesy maybe but that's one of the last
2: things i said to alex when we finished the shooting the the entire thing I remember i um i don't know there's emotions and whatever but at one point i remember i just hugged him and i said you're you're a very good leader and i never uh i never planned to say that but i remember when i when that moment happened, and yes, we're all actors we're this is all an ensemble there's nobody's higher than the other person, but there is the sense of a leader mm-hmm. and, uh, he's an amazing leader mm-hmm.
0: you know i he he comes across as a very nice guy, and I know when i've had any interaction with him he's he he really does seem to be one of the the good people out there but i mean, so do you all you've all been very very kind um to me whenever, you know, I suppose you bought with, with Alex in particular, I, I think the first time I met him, I made him a horn at a Comic-Con and mm. it was just a, a thing. I just made it, I made it and, and asked them to give it to him. And, and that was it. I didn't expect anything from it. And then an hour later, I see somebody wheeling themselves over um in a, you know, in a wheelchair, coming my coming my direction of people staring over and uh, you know, once he got close, I'm like, fuck, that's, that's Alex. You know, that's Alexander Drummond. This is a weird thing. Um, and you know, if you've ever been to Excel Center, it's a big, it's a big place. And this guy wheeled himself from one end to the other with a with a torn ACL just to come and say thank you for for a present that I gave him. And I, you know, I've been lucky enough to to make horns for some you know pretty cool people. But usually, like, no one's ever given that that kind of reception. Like, you know, taking the time to come over say thank you and and, you know I said he didn't have it with him so they looked you mind sending me a picture with it later give him my email address as soon as like literally an hour later he must have got back to his hotel room took a picture sent it and it's like that care and understanding for you know that he knew that that meant something to me um and it was that kind of empathy and understanding that it meant to me and it was special to see because a lot of people kind of when they get up up there maybe forget that um so, yeah, I, I definitely reiterate what you
2: say. I think he's, uh, in a way, um, he's sort of confirming something quite biblical. I mean, there's probably other other uh, sources that would talk about that, but he, I don't know, it's just it's a podcast about Alex, just to never- i <laughs> know
0: yeah, we, we need to change.
2: <laughs> he never shows favoritism. And that's, that's one of the, I haven't read other, you know, uh, other sources of 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 religion and, and 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 books. So I've I've only explored a little bit of Bible at this point, and that that really popped when when I read that. I was like, oh, that's. And there's even a joke within me that in terms of behaving with people, because I'm hyper. So I, 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 when I first started, I could, I could be like impulsive and like say something, and then only then think about what I said, and that's just a tendency that I would have. And uh, over time, spending time with Alex. I I've developed this this form. Like, what would Alex do before do, <laughs> before certain interactions? I would like I would call him. Like, what would you do? Oh, okay, so I've uh, I think I definitely uh, yeah. Enough about him. But I, yeah,
1: I, after this say, podcast, we'll have stories about how he walks in the water. Wwad James? Oh <laughs> yeah. what would, I,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh what would Alex God. do?
1: Oh my! I mean, God. Let's
2: make this a thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. I feel like I probably do that with Mateus to not give him too much credit. What would Mateus do? Mm-hmm. And then realize I don't have the knowledge,
2: so I just have to do what I need. To oh do.
1: shit! You don't want to do what I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's just interesting how, how how behaviors like that they trickle down and everyone. It's infectious. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's infectious. infectious exactly. And it's 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 such a cheap thing to do. Just be present with people as much as you can
1: you know Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: it's not
0: that's that's the thing though it's not it's not hard to do it's not hard to just be nice to people to listen to people and to 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 think about how they may feel but so few people actually do it and and are
2: conscious about doing it as well yeah but it's not necessarily I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing that some people were like I don't think a lot of people do it out of malice some people might but I think it's more of a I think it's just a question of awareness of oneself that you over either develop over time, or you. Who said that? The examined life is worth living. I don't know. One of them famous ones. Mateus, do you know? I don't (laughs) know. It would be René Descartes. Cart? I don't know. I'm just. Oh,
1: Descartes. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I don't
2: know. One of them big ones. The big boys. (laughs) (laughs) Just
0: you. You just say who you think it is, and we'll back you, and then we'll. (laughs) That's that, how it works.
2: That's how 2022 works. Fact check? No, I said it's a
0: fact. Yeah, that's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think one thing I, I like about the show is that it doesn't always take itself too seriously. Oh, yeah. um, and do you, is that something you think they, they put in on purpose and you guys are, are very much aware of?
2: Huh, that's a good question. I don't, I think we, and I'm, this is a compliment to Mark now. Because he's been pushing this agenda that we need the banter. We need to, -hmm. because these are men uh, and women that go to battle and they can die. You can always die. And as far as we've read about history in terms of, in times of war, the sense of humor really goes up because you're constantly dealing with like, this might be the last moment ever. Mm -hmm. So I think some of it was written and the writers did a great job, but I think it's, it's more, I, I would say, it's on, on Team Uhtred and Mark uh, to keep pushing the agenda. That's some of the, some of the banter within. A lot of the stuff over the season has been written more and more. And I think mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you that it's not taking itself too serious. It's just, it,
1: doesn't, it
2: doesn't add any charm, I think. I think.
1: I I agree with that. I I I love it when people don't take themselves too seriously. I try to apply that to my to my own life in general. Um right. yeah, But don't it's, take it's, yourself too seriously. But it's hard. It's it's hard not to. Some
2: I mean I guess whatever ego or something, but it's 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 one thing that another thing that this show taught me is that like this we're not come on, we're not saving lives. Let's <laughs> do the best we can, do the best we can and have fun with it at the same time. What I think mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and that comes across, and it for me, it speaks volumes because I, I think when whenever anybody does anything about this time period, particularly Vikings in particular, it can soon fall into that super serious macho kind right. of warrior thing. Thank and, you. And other there's the other TV show that maybe we're not going to mention. <laughs> 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 no, but there are other ones that they have. Everything feels like it's got a dark gloom over it. Everything's filmed almost like it's got a, a filter on it and, and there's a lot of dark makeup and, and yeah. it just all feels so heavy. Whereas I think The Last Kingdom's so successful because it, it has those light moments, but it also has these quite difficult, horrific, saddening moments, but you get the contrast which makes you also care and have the emotions.
2: Mm, that's very interesting i think i agree with you because it i think there's this duality in life that mm-hmm. you know suffering or being happy or whatever it's there's always that's always on a little bit of a pendulum but you can't have one constantly i think so i think playing around with this is just i don't know it's it, it's just makes it nicer for all of us
1: i mean it's it's i think in that sense it's, it's great when popular uh media teaches people lessons of these kinds. But yes. I feel you could you could say that you know for a very long time in the western world it feels like we have we have just been on the up and up and we've been thinking that everything is just going to be fine and and as long as we just like keep partying really. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the, these last couple of years we we're all we're standing there and it's like wait wait life can suck too. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have have had like a hard awakening with that. Like,
2: but it's 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 terrible that it, sadly it takes us humans to always experience a, a terrible historical event of some sort to come to understanding these things. But um, you know, it's,
1: at least we 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 still learn, I guess. I think you know it depends on the stories that we tell. If we if we tell stories that also include the tragedies like that's what the ancient greeks did right that they they had comedies they had tragedies right? right and and we've sort of forgotten about the tragedies in in our cultures these days because
2: it seems like we tend to really focus i think we tend to focus on the happiness aspect of life mm-hmm. right which is like the other side it's just a fleeting moment isn't it so it can be yeah so it's if we constantly focus on that you know and another thing i love what you touched upon dan previously is that that usually there's a tendency for these kind of shows to show this like hyper alpha type of behavior which is not really even i think not really even natural in in you know in the world so what i find fascinating and thank you for touching on that is that there's there's a lot more vulnerability in this show i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of it that is i don't know but a lot more it's not a competition but what you said it's 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 fun and sometimes it's difficult. I remember mm-hmm. for for me, uh, personally was watching I can't remember what season, but after watching that season, I was like, "Wow, Alex, it's tough being Utrecht man. it looks like it's it's tough, and I think that's uh yeah.
1: I, I I agree with that i i I really enjoy that there's vulnerability in these stories as well um it, because you don't see that. Quite often with this time period, first of all, and secondly, when there's Vikings involved, it's always some macho dick swinging stuff, and it's like, why? come on, guys, why? Like, why? Yeah, I mean, we we need the whole range of human emotion, if you ask me, when we portray people, because we know that that existed. Otherwise, we're just gonna like box them up in a in a stereotype, and 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 end up with that because we're still,
2: still like human beings right right history changes but the 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 conditioning here and the pathways they're like they're still pretty much the sameish i think yeah. what about what about the women in viking cultures cuz i feel like that's perhaps that's being a bit explored a bit more but I've, i don't know if it's right i've heard that there's a lot more power from um from uh, viking women that we
1: Tend to historically talk about. Oh, Aris, you're
0: you're about to unleash something here.
1: <laughs> Let's go down the rabbit hole. This okay. is your first
0: experience of a Mateus Nordvig uh, lecture. Time. <laughs> okay, I, I'm because I don't know anything. I'm just in there. <laughs> You've got a pen, looking right like you're ready to make notes as well.
1: <laughs> so, so the thing is, um, you know, when we talk about like this, the, these ideas of like being free and not free um in a modern context that of course those concepts were entirely different back then right um arguably the the, the thing that was considered freedom in the viking age and in scandinavia would be family so that's very different from how we think about freedom today like freedom is something for the individual uh i can go do my own thing and so on but back then uh your freedom was guaranteed through your family So the, the more power your family has, the more freedom you have as an individual. So that means if you're a woman who belongs to a high status family, right. That has money, power, a lot of swords, then you would have a lot of freedom. Um, But then as you go down the the ranks of, of, of uh, social hierarchy, then you probably get less and less freedom. Now, um, some of the things that we usually focus on in, in modern society is like things that, that give women freedom. Um, say, for instance, sexual freedom. Uh, can, can you have extramarital sex or how does that work out? It does seem like they, they were probably less restrictive about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what about social mobility? Well, social mobility was probably very constricted based simply off of the fact that it was a steep hierarchy that we had in in the Viking age, um, probably also before. Do we see Uh, women being basically quote-unquote sold off into marriage um, with dowries and all that stuff yeah that happens all the time it looks like that's the standard in the saga literature from medieval Iceland of course that's medieval Iceland so we don't know exactly if that applies to the Viking age could a woman say no in those uh, those contexts probably not so much but um, we could also turn it around and ask yourself well did did anybody care if a low status woman like uh, somebody who belonged not to the slaves but uh, to to just above the tenant peasants did they care who she had children with? maybe not right so So, so a woman of that uh, that um, level of society might actually have freedoms in a certain way over there in terms of who she chooses to 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 marry and, and such things um do we see women entering trades? Uh, that's a really good question. That actually, it's really difficult to say because what the what we really have to base this on is is archeological evidence. And it doesn't look like, you know, that you have women blacksmiths or something like that. That doesn't seem to appear. But then on the other hand, as we've shown over the last 10 years or more, um, there are like warrior graves that where the individuals seem to be women,
2: right? That's so, that's the one that I was wondering interested about. Wait.
1: Yeah, and so so you have you have what appears to be female warriors in the Viking age. Also, you have very distinctive female leaders of various kinds, both um, what we could call priestesses or or something like that, and and what we could call queens as well. So
2: uh, is this is something to do with the higher knowledge of
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely right so so um it's actually a Polish researcher letsia uh, who has uh, uh, worked on this um, uh, these these female graves where uh, the women are buried in very fine clothing and then they have all these interesting weird objects with them like um, there's one grave from Denmark for instance where she, uh, that's one of my favorites um, a very famous one where she is buried with uh, a pouch with like a, like standard like witch stuff like owls vomit and a mouse skillet something <laughs> like that random stuff <laughs> that she used for like probably magic compo- uh, potions or something like that and, and she is also buried with a staff which is a very common theme too in the mythology we have like this, Völva, who is a staff-bearing uh, prophetess of some kind. Um, so, so like those those graves appear in the Viking age, and they are, you know, they, these are women of high status. We can see that they're buried in in fine clothing with special items, some things that come like from far away. The the Danish grave that I mentioned, she has chalice that comes from Kazakhstan. So very far away, right? It's <laughs> traded all the way through uh, the Eurasian continent, basically. So that would be a very important object. And, and so, so what you can see is that you have these like high status roles for women. Um, another great example of a very special grave is the Oseberg ship. Um, one of the most uh, impressive uh, graves that we have from the viking ages it's ship burial that was probably co- covered for like half of it was covered for about six months the other half was standing outside of the grave um there are two women buried in it and they have scholars have debated for ages what is the relationship between the two women was one a queen the other one a slave or like and we don't know but what we can see is that two women have been buried in what is is one of the most elaborate ship burials in Scandinavian history. And there's like sacrificed horses, beautiful carvings, um, all kinds of items, and so on. So obviously what this signals is that in the 800s, when this grave was made, these women were considered incredibly important in society. So So we have all of that evidence that tells us that, that obviously, that that women could have, you know, pretty high status in society for different reasons. Um, But did that status come with the same kind of freedom that we think of today? Probably not. You can say yourself
2: that the understanding of freedom, it was a very different, like, concept at the time. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. So, so it's a little bit give and take when we talk about like, could women be free, or were women free, well, or
2: is it then safe to say that a lot of this historical analysis could be um, sometimes is done through a very um, modern lens, like lens perspective?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, absolutely. So th- this is this is always our problem, right? We we don't fully understand some distant uh, historical period because we live in our own modern context and we have only inherited so much of their thinking that we can sort of relate to it, if that makes sense. Um, and so that, that means then that it's always dangerous to say, uh, to basically transpose your current values to the past, right? Oh, yeah, that is fascinating.
0: <laughs> I, I, I now know what I look like all those episodes ago when Mateus used to tell me all this stuff uh, you
2: know what once i once you said that is a good question i'm like from my car. <laughs> Wow! It, i saw
0: you you leaned forward it's yeah, like, I, you, I you, felt your, it. I, your eyes widened it's like but it, it's good to see but it's nice to see you that you have a, a genuine interest as well no,
2: because of, this is the, you what you said is very fascinating and I, I don't think i thought about it this this way i i thought about it a little bit that we tend to uh, look at history from today, but how certain concepts must have been completely different in the history. And we, I don't know, we can interpret them one way or another, but it's so beyond our understanding if we don't have the, like the, the actual wisdom of the zeitgeist of the time and what people were thinking and how are they thinking.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, um, this is also why it's, it's so problematic when we as modern people say well they used to do this in the past so therefore it should make sense that we do it now it's like no no that's not how it works because we we don't know their motivations or the the basis on which they did these things and why and and all of that stuff so so it's like it's 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 really problematic to get caught up in that idea i think
2: i have a question then what do you think like looking at all the historical um research that you've done and looking into the future what would be the way for us humans of a specific time to leave information for the future people that they would would not misinterpret it how can you make it like because i imagine even the the scholar are the documents the the fossils you find they still have a little bit like what even the text that could be missing subtext or whatever, because it's just this in detail. So I, it was interesting. What do you think would be the way to set? Are, are you trying to say my job? I mean, dressed up as you, so listen.
0: <laughs> You're wearing my clothes, asking my questions. <laughs> the, Made a beard, big
2: beard, the only though. thing is like
1: I, I don't have enough hormones to grow a beard. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is actually a really, really interesting question because as we can see in the modern age, you can uh, document your opinion uh, pretty, pretty concisely in uh, with, uh, like what we're doing right with this podcast, or you can do it on YouTube with like video and everything. And people will still misinterpret in the con- con- contemporary times, right? Like right. people will willfully misrepresent what you said in, in various ways, right? Uh, no matter how clearly you state your opinion. So so if people can do that right now, people who presumably understand the entire social context for our systems right now, the political context, uh, where we are, who we come from and all that stuff. Right. It's still people will misinterpret it or misrepresent it. So that will happen, too, in the uh, in the future. I don't think that we can.
2: Are we coming back? Is this is this somehow leading towards towards the Babel, 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 Babel Tower? that that probably because like because it seems that seems to me that all these different languages that we have and then we send these whatever leave remains into the future then we translate them and there's constantly some nuance
1: that you can't translate right yeah but it's also a work in progress where i think we're actually all going in the same direction more and more because just think about it Right now, we're a Danish guy who lives in uh, the US. We are a Lithuanian guy who kind of lives in London. And we're a British guy who, who lives up in Yorkshire sitting here uh, sharing uh, information with one another, right? So, so that, that's not something that you would find on a regular basis uh, 70 years ago or 100 years ago, right? So, so there is, I think there's hope, if you know what I mean like we've we've come pretty far as as a species making this possible and on this podcast we've had people from from russia we've had people from the us we've had people from um germany we've had people from all kinds of places right and that kind of gives me hope right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so but it, one thing i wanted to to highlight is actually your question here about like how do we accurately uh, ensure that information stays, uh, you know, uh, consistent from now and way into the future. That's actually a problem that um, nuclear scientists are working on because oh, we have course all of. He these... has
0: an answer like this. <laughs> <laughs> of course he
1: knows. Okay. <laughs> no, think about it. Like we have all of these sites around the world where we have uh, performed uh, nuclear tests, right? And so what that means, uh, for instance, if it's, if it's underground uh, locations, what that means is that there is going to be a radioactive glass cave um, <laughs> that will persist for, for like thousands of years, maybe even millions of years, right? right. That future humans could find after our civilization may, may have like disappeared and wow. they wouldn't know what it is. So so scientists have been working on how do we manage to tell people in the future that this is a dangerous place? Like, how do we encode information for the future about that? And that's, I think, it's just wild to think about. It's like, we don't even know if the languages that we speak are going to exist 5,000 years from now. We don't know if the technology that we have is going to be there. We don't know... Anything about how we can record this, but scientists are trying to do that, and that that is that freaking blows my mind. It's <laughs> fascinating.
0: I think our minds have both just, both just been blown as well, right?
2: <laughs> but I was, also, a- as you were saying, I was also interested thinking of like, wow, so these radioactive spots also in themselves tell a story if. If, for example, the future, of whatever generation, some 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 has some sort of a Geiger counter of something, they can already like, aha, what's the history of this over here? Mm-hmm. And why is it? Why is it there? What happened? To, yeah.
1: What happened and to also, it? our isotope makeup is as modern human beings is fundamentally different because of nu- the nuclear age. Okay, wait a minute. Hold before up. Before that,
2: stop. <laughs> what? Stop.
1: Yeah. Stop. 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 What? Yeah. So because. Uh, with nuclear blasts, humanity has changed. I think it's... And I, I don't fully take my word before, on this. Because before you I, carry
2: on, is it is it possible that what you're about to say will lead to why my brothers that are younger are way taller than me than I am? <laughs>
0: I don't know. <laughs> I've right, I been I be thinking about all my friends. So <laughs> we're in the...
1: But we have... Uh, I think we've... As humanity, we have, uh, because of our messing around with nuclear... Uh, power we have um, we have changed the background radiation on the planet and so that means that our compositions are it's slightly different from you know before the first nuclear blasts wow
2: so the entire yeah. <laughs> the entire populace could have been affected because even though the particles that we can't per se measure they still travel
1: yeah so i i don't know how this works exactly because i'm not a nuclear scientist um I, I have very little knowledge about this. This is just. Did you just say I you leave. should be? You should. Be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so there is, there is like, like as, as the entire population on the planet as modern human beings is just slightly different in in terms of how we are made up of ra- radiation and that kind of stuff in in one way or another than compared to, um, yeah, five generations ago.
2: Right, which is, is all those Snickers bars that they put toxic waste in, I've heard about as a kid. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, before, before we get too far from... Uh, oh, yeah,
0: the, sorry. <laughs> yeah we, we, we went from Vikings to nuclear yeah. war. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> before <laughs> before oh, we get... So um, I wanted to make one more compliment about The Last Kingdom before we move on to kind of the Vikings in the East and, and see what we can discover about your your homelands i guess honest um was that i didn't it didn't click until the last two episodes the The last kingdom has managed to very successfully have very strong female roles without feeling like it's pushed and yes. forced in there, which I think is is a real testament because it's so many other programs and films. And I think Avengers Endgame is the biggest culprit for this. Like, just get it wrong. And they, they feel the need to put it in there, but they want to just kind of force it in there. And especially with Endgame, like they have this moment where it's all the female warriors together in one spot. But, it's, but it's dis- it, it takes you from disbelief because there's this big battle going on, but they all happen to be there in this one moment. And I kind of have this, this moment together and it pulls you out from the movie because you're like that's not gonna happen she was over there she was over there what the fuck's going on but with the last kingdom it's like they've all ended up in these positions of power and they're and you know the strong um especially like with Tiara, and then you kind of it doesn't it doesn't feel unnatural it's just part of the show and that's a, a testament to the writers i think it's, it's it's a brilliant thing um and yeah like i said i didn't realize until last two episodes which kind of shows how good it is
2: yeah i see i think i think i'm gonna agree, absolutely agree with you here because i remember with season five when we were already shooting and reading it we, we were like talking about like look you power late power ladies power houses power houses <laughs> and i think um part of it and i'm guessing i don't know i don't have enough of a track record to have read enough scripts and enough movies to to dissect if this is truth or not but i feel that martha's entrance to this show martha hillier being the the writer for the past couple of seasons i think that added to the 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 three-dimensional um characters that the the women have become and are because i don't know if this is true but sometimes when you look an older product like films and series sometimes the things that come out of people's mouths you're like okay you know they didn't necessarily try as much or it was just like yeah yeah, she said that do they women say that okay so i think a lot of the times in the past there's there's not enough nuance because you don't have women on the team writing stuff and you can only yeah you can imagine as a man or whatever like oh this is that and she said this and that is your creative poetic justice or whatever you call it I think it's really important to have real humans that can think in both directions to create this nuance. I think, I, th-
0: I think every man on the planet can attest that we don't have a clue what women are thinking. are going to say, <laughs> we, we don't, don't
2: know. know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Look, they're already five steps ahead because they're, they're intuition. They just, there's one thing <laughs> that you're, you can discuss or uh, argue about as much as you want, but there's this one thing that they're already born with, I feel like, more than we are. This intuition of sorts. We're playing checkers and they're playing chess. Oh, mate, we're just like, <laughs> we're trying to carve out. We're playing checkers on a chess board, looking at the letters and numbers and like, what are those? It's a different game. It's a different game.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of women historically, um, just going back to what we talked about as a segue to this, I wanted to highlight one thing. I don't think that there's been a period of time in European history where you don't find a woman on the throne somewhere. just like uh, yeah, think about that for for a second. Um, the way that the way that we think about uh, gender power relations today is very much a product of the early twentieth century, which is very, you know, in terms of diversity of thought, creativity knowledge understanding of the world and so on the, the early 20th uh, 20th century is completely impoverished like it's 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 such a like for european thinking at least it's like you it, you look at that stuff in in sort of like a broad historical perspective and you go like what the hell
2: <laughs> so is it then safe to say? That that perhaps the illusion of the time was that the science is going up so much. We're like creating nuclear this, so that the other stuff, people sort of like, yeah, yeah, you no, know, this is we're moving to the future, and the other stuff you're like just going backwards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Went backwards. I mean, wow. Europeans invented Nazism. Like, come on, that that's going backwards, if you ask me, <laughs> no. right? Or you know, I I or just downwards, right? It's not even going backwards because like People, people before Nazis were smarter than that. Um, but the, the, my, my point is that, you know, we, we, we see, um, like when, when we look at it in a historical perspective, we see that there's generally in, in one way or another, uh, a bunch of very powerful women, like uh, think about Catherine the Great of Russia, think about, well, Queen Victoria of, of England, like the, the only woman, to have ruled or the only person to have ruled uh what is it like 25 percent of the world's population or something like that it's a woman um so like when you think about it in that uh, in that perspective then all of a sudden hey wait a minute that is so- the, the way that we think about these things today based off of like how we understand the past might actually be our fault more than the past
2: <laughs> wow mind-blowing okay <laughs>
0: Okay. I feel like we need a minute. <laughs> just like, do we just need just a minute to recenter? <laughs> let's, let's,
1: let's all settle ourselves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it, it, by far, some of the most uh, uh, historically and, and societally and socially significant uh, uh, people in English history are women, right? Yeah. Queen yeah. Elizabeth and Queen Victoria, pretty. Pretty important well, was, uh, figures. Pretty important. Had, worked, yeah,
2: yeah the Prince Albert guy who came in and did a couple of uh,
1: beneficial things, but she was like, she was the. I mean, still. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you think about it, in Scandinavia, the the only the, the the person who, like, managed to, create a Scandinavian empire that included all the Scandinavian countries, which arguably, in terms of geographic land mass, is the biggest empire that has existed in in Europe, Europe so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, that was a woman too, Queen Margaret I of Denmark, who was, well, she was first queen of Norway and then she also became queen of Denmark and then she also ended up becoming queen of, of, of Sweden and that included Finland and Greenland and all these wild places, right? So why do you think they had that? What What
2: is, what do you think is the the power moment in those, those particular women? Is
1: that possible to dissect? Why would they be such... Either. So in, in in different, well, it really depends, right? In, in, because we're dealing with different time periods. But one thing that you can see with uh, Queen Victoria is that um, she emulates male power a lot.
2: I've read that somewhere. That was I was trying to understand. So that that the the, the women that come into power, they still have to sort of pretend they're doing it man, the man way.
1: Well, it, it depends on the structures of the society. So that was her situation, but she was unequivocally. The ruler. Nobody questioned that. Right. But if right you go right. to Mo- Queen Margaret I, uh, she was questioned a lot. Uh, she had to rule through her son instead. So she was de facto the ruler, but everybody was like, "Yes, we'll talk to your son, who's like nine or something like that."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: wow! <laughs> isn't life ridiculous sometimes?
1: Right. <laughs> so, so, so those are two. Different different types of rulers, of course, um, but then you can, of course, find uh, uh, I, well, Queen Isabella of Spain. I think was very, very much like, yeah, we don't question her rule. She she's in charge. Boom, that's just it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's another example. Oh, and and our, our resident Swede, Frederick is uh, bitching about the Kalmar Union in, in the <laughs> chat. And uh, <laughs> let me just let me just ask one thing, Frederick. It was your own fault. You could have just not invaded Denmark, Norway at the time, and then you wouldn't have gotten your asses kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think my taxi's here, guys. I think I'll. Uh...
2: <laughs> no, I,
0: I mean, do you think that there's a lot of like because underestimating them was underestimating women that would make these situations kind of arise? Um, kind of uh, probably like underestimating and then that driving. A more focused person and a more determined person to, to kind of take the, take more and push harder and and be more successful.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, think
2: what my said was also interesting. That it's just the 20th century that the perspective changed it a little bit,
1: and we, we look, we started looking at it differently, right? I mean sorry I feel I feel I feel that that is happening historically so what you see from somewhere in the middle of the 19th century and and towards the middle of the 20th century is sort of like this time period where we uh, like in in european thinking obviously you you you're getting more and more constrictive this is also when like religious puritanism becomes you know socially very dominant and 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 this is this is where this is where you have this um uh, i would call it a poverty of thought essentially like people people get get lazy about the, the thinking about what what the world could be and and then you have to like reinvent everything after after world war 2 in europe and 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 the americas for that matter and- so are you saying that it's up it, that it's up
2: to some sort of leaders or whatever out of, of a specific historical time to keep everyone engaged enough with what's going on as if it's a show so that they would like the show and keep on working. no
1: I'm, i am i i'm saying it's up to all of us to actually be actively engaged in thinking differently about our existence mm. Like, if I mean, you want to get is- some philosophical about it i think we should we should all like put our minds to, to thinking differently about how, what the world could be and what life could be in general. Like we, we don't need to walk around doing the things that we do right now. We can, we can add things. We can take things away from that. We can, you know, be creative about what we actually want in life. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I think
2: I, I think I understand you. And what about, I'm always fascinated with um, Connecting the ancient wisdom with with today, because what you said previously that we have a tendency like, oh, we're the smartest, we've figured it out, we have iPhones, you know, whatever. But then we keep like all this wisdom from the past comes in, and we just because we live in this time, like, oh no, no, that was crap. But kind of the world existed for so long. I mean, they must have known something that they Mm -hmm. survived. So, what do you think? How do you amalgamate? past wisdom into the today and what are the things that we should
1: amount you know this is this is why i came into this line of work in the first place because i was like there's some really solid wisdom to be gained from knowing and understanding past cultures across the planet um i mean it's isn't it interesting to consider that you know the mayans knew of the wheel that they had invented the wheel, but they never used it for anything but toys. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What? And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and that has got to be because of the way their way of thinking about moving around in the world. They yeah. they must have they must have been like, okay, shrug, whatever. Uh, maybe we just don't need that. <laughs> they always had this, like. What are you playing with that fidget spinner? Then leave it alone, whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, so, and then you have a then you have other cultures like in in Europe and in Asia that build their entire existence around roads, right? Like so so the, the this just tells you that if you think about how people have thought about things in the past, it gets it get it can get really, 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 really mind-blowing. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, I find it incredibly fascinating um, that you have a, because in European history, when we as historians talk about the evolution of, of European societies, we highlight the wheel as a really important invention, right? And he's like, oh, the wheel was invented, uh, what was it, Sumer or something like Marion, that. A thousand years ago. We see yeah, it. yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, the um, it, and it, that, that is also because, you know, the, the invention of the wheel spills over to the water mill, right? Which becomes one of the first machines that can work on its own. And that then in European thinking is like, ah well that's the key to industrialization right when we can have wheels turning i mean we have it in our language too right we talk about the wheels are spinning the wheels are turning and all that stuff right Right. then then that becomes like a significant historical moment for european society and its development right and this is what we as europeans and said well this is what made us so awesome that we could go and conquer the world blah 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 blah," right but it's like yeah but was that a good thing? No, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I've read somewhere that a lot
2: of this conquering and inventing came into in, in places of the world where uh, it was a lot colder than other places. Because, mm-hmm. I, because I've read, I think it was in Germs, Guns and Steel or something like that, mm-hmm. um, that places where it was super warm, you don't need to necessarily invent stuff because you're constantly... Well, it's warm. You're not cold. You don't need to create you know, shelter or whatnot. So a lot of that expansionism came from people just being cold.
1: I, <laughs> I mean... I, uh, you got, uh, <laughs> you've got the fist on us.
2: <laughs> well, I 45 minutes. I had a good, I, I, minutes, I, I had a good <laughs> 45 minutes.
1: <laughs> no, so, so, this is a good question because there are, you know, um, uh, this has been a long discussion in in... Among anthropologists and historians, like what is it that is like sort of like the key igniting thing that 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 sparks that you know uh, social evolution and technological developments and all that stuff. I think uh, the problem with that way of thinking is that it's you know centered around again Europe. And right. the idea that, that 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 Europeans are special.
2: Um, oh, no, the, I, was, I, was in, I hope I wasn't. I didn't come across as saying
1: that. No, 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 no not no. at all. You're, not all. you're you're referencing this particular book that has a <laughs> you know it has a particular perspective on all of this. germs, guns, and steel, right? Um, the, the, um, the 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 this, the problem with that theory is that a lot of those inventions that you, Europeans are using, right, to be competitive out there in the world they come from from other places in europe like for instance gunpowder right. um and uh, or the wheel for that matter the europeans didn't invent the wheel they 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 they, they went Is there
2: anything that the europeans actually invented that was like
1: was yeah existential it was, it dread stolen existential what existential dread oh. uh, philosophers <laughs> sit, sitting around <laughs> Like, look at all well, the German philosophers. Can you put in it in your French mouth? Can you wear it? Nope. It's here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I mean, you've got to give Europeans credit for inventing a bunch of things, of course. Um, but but it, what uh, my point is just that there's a lot more synergy to it than you saying that, oh, because of a certain environment, you get particularly competitive people um, because that's not really the case. Like, There's a bunch of uh, compounding factors, right? Where you're like, you can't single one thing out and then say, oh, this is why. This is why these people were mm-hmm. capable of doing this. Like, The potato is a really important component in uh, European migrations too. Is that's one the- you said is it important. Is a very important component because the potato, as soon as like you have Europeans going to the Americas, getting potatoes, then they go grow them. In England and Germany and elsewhere, and then all of a sudden you have population explosions, because the potato is a very nutritious, uh, uh, what do you call that, I mean, um, I mean, thing I mean, from the ground. <laughs> vegetable? Uh, Something? It. It's not a grain, it's not a fruit, what is it? Come on, Dan. You know English. Oh, my right? God.
2: Root. Root. Uh, root, root, uh, vegetable. root vegetable. vegetable. Yes.
1: Right. It's, a, it's a really important root vegetable, uh, very nutritious root vegetable, right? And that's also why um, once there is a, a disease that starts taking hold of those potatoes, that's when you get the so-called Irish famine, which was actually a European famine. We just only know it as an Irish famine because there's a lot of Irish who left for the Americas because of the famine, right? But you have a considerable famine in Central Europe for the same reason, because you have this disease that is spreading among the potatoes. So point being is that the potato was also an incredible uh, path, uh, part of the path for Europeans to have a population explosion that then enables them to Go out and be assholes to other people around <laughs> in the world, right?
0: Blame the potato. All like right, We go. haven't spoken about who's gonna in clean a while? the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, wow! Uh, should we? Should we? We, I know we, you, what you have about 15 minutes, honest, before you,
2: you. Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys, this is mind blowing, but I do have,
1: uh, do have. 15.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you something.
1: Actually, speaking of potatoes, Arnas, is is Lithuania a potato country or is it a cat country?
2: I think I would say very much so. Whenever Mm -hmm. I'm around Irish people, I'm like, oh, we're potato. There's like, no, we're. I'm like, okay, well, historically, you're you're right, probably, but we love potatoes. Lithuania. (laughs) We have a strong relationship with it. We have a lot of different versions of different things you can make out of them but uh i personally have drifted away a little bit from them in the past few years but we lithuanian potatoes
1: hey yeah it's it's like denmark i think, with it's, that. I
2: think it's in our in our anthem somewhere potatoes <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. I, I
0: was gonna say i've seen i've seen pictures of you without a shirt on you're not getting like that eating too many potatoes. No,
2: mate, that's all I have is like I keep eating the starch and you're like, so then you can't eat for a couple of days because there's too much starch. So then you end up fasting for numerous days. So again, potatoes is good.
0: Mm-hmm. It's good for you. It um You know nutritious. what? I, I don't want to force us onto a topic. We're not going to get very far in. Um, So honestly, I mean... If you fancy coming back in the future, we can. I absolutely,
2: I absolutely. We, we can, we can can. definitely then. But let's create, but let's create mystery. Let's say next week, and then oh no, he can't.
0: No, no, yeah, it'll be two years <laughs> time. But, but I think I think that's going to be the the easiest way that we can really get into. And then in the next, the next fifteen minutes, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Who knows <laughs> where we're going to go? But let's let's enjoy the next fifteen minutes, and then. In the future, whenever we get you back, we will we will look at the
2: the Vikings absolutely, in the east. I absolutely yeah. privileged for, and I'm, I'm I'm up for that because this again, like you just said, I had a numerous numerous moments of exploding.
0: It's good. <laughs> it's good to see though. I it, it makes you, you guys are inflating like my ego, man.
2: <laughs> Listen, we're gonna drop it back down as soon. We lift it up and then we take it back down. Don't worry about it. So you just keep your eyes open. You <laughs>
0: enjoy
2: it whilst you're there. Keep your ego, keep your ego close because once we smack
0: (laughs) (laughs) we need to find a weakness first. (laughs) Uh,
2: Can I ask something about um then we're talking to have a couple more minutes for this? I want to know about see. I'm very interested in it. I don't say I wouldn't say dieting, but in ways of operating with food intake and whatnot. I'm very curious how. How did the Vikings live? Because I, from what I understand, very little is that people back, people are always a bit hungry and a bit
1: cold, and that's what kept them moving, right? Is that? I, I think, I think to an extent, you definitely see uh, people in that general, not just Scandinavia, but the entire Baltic Sea area, a little, little hungry and a little cold. Absolutely. Um, Especially depending on whether or not you have a, um, a a long Russian winter or or more of a mild Atlantic winter, um, I mean that's still the weather patterns for Scandinavia today. Um, you know the the you the the western parts of Scandinavia are pretty uh, relatively mild considering how far north they are, mm. and that's because of the Atlantic. But then once in a while the Atlantic gets Broken or the Atlantic winds gets broken by that, you know, cold that comes from the Central Russian area, and um, I think what you could see in the Viking Age are if you if you look at weather patterns, if it's possible to to sort of map that out, you'd probably see uh, movements based a little bit on that. Uh, not uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that that's the only thing that causes so like Vikings, yeah, but what i love what difference. you said
2: previously is that there's constantly in, in history there's these compounds that like boom a potato comes in boom everything's changed and then something little another thing happens and then there's mm-hmm. something else so i'm very fascinated by like and you've opened up my mind to it today because i also i think i'm at fault of uh having tendencies to think in ways of like what are the ten rules to a whatever successful business? What are the ten things that the Vikings did to this and that? And it's right. more, It's just constant nuances that
1: change. We always want to simplify, right? Like when- that's as- what we.
0: always say that's what we say on here so many times that everyone wants to put everything in these little neat boxes and pack them away on the shelves and say this is this is exactly this, and then forget about it. When everything really is just a, it's complicated, Anna. That's I noticed.
2: I, I've noticed the comments were like. It's complicated. That, it that's, like, complicated. That's, like,
0: that's our <laughs> official motto, I guess. Now is the the at this point early on in the show. I think like you know, Mateus changed everything I, I thought I knew about the Vikings, and it, I think every week I was like, fuck, it's just really complicated. So it stuck, it stuck around.
2: Somebody yeah. said, I when I gave the first question about women, this and that, and then I was like, and somebody just started flooding. It is complicated. It's complicated. I'm (laughs) like, okay, I feel like this is a theme
1: here. It is very (laughs) much a theme. (laughs) It is. And to to just answer your question about dieting uh, or diets um, in the Viking Age, because that's also very complicated, you're dealing with a landmass or land masses essentially that that are very diverse, right? Um, Southern Scandinavia is. You know, relatively fertile compared to central Scandinavia and northern Scandinavia in particular, which means that the, the the at least fertile for for agriculture. Um, you know, in northern Scandinavia, you have plenty of other resources when you're hunting or herding reindeer and so on. So that means that the diet also changed, and what you can see, for instance, in Iceland is that it very quickly becomes very fish based, uh, and that's because you know, as flocky realized when he sailed Tyson and I'm not talking about the guy from Vikings I'm talking about the historical guy he sailed to Iceland with his cattle and then he realized oh there's like a bunch of fish in the streams and there's like things I can hunt and so he was doing that all summer and then he didn't you know, gather enough feed for his cattle so they all died in the winter and he was like I'm leaving and I'm calling <laughs> this place Iceland <laughs> the
2: story of Iceland <laughs> that's
0: I mean, Uh-oh. you can see why. You can see why. <laughs> um, Anna, so you know, we've got you. We've got you for a few more minutes. Uh, we are right just to throw a few sort of patron questions at you. The knowing our patrons, they're not going to be anything to do with the topic. They're going to be completely random. But let's just let's fire through a few of these. Um, so, if you wanted to know if you have a Hogwarts house, or if you were which, which house in Hogwarts <laughs> would you be? <laughs>
2: Which one has the best donuts? I don't know. Are you, are you, a, fi- are you a fan <laughs> of Harry Potter? I am a fan. You know what? The terrible thing, and that's I think that's my own personal issue. I finished all the books and that happens with more than one show and movie. I watch the thing and I just don't watch the very last episode. I don't know for what, but I haven't seen the very last Harry Potter. I've read them all, but I haven't seen the very, <laughs> very last one. I don't know why. Interesting. I, I, don't, I wouldn't like to be in the snake one. I don't know. But they, they, they drew it. They created that you just want to hate them. Maybe there's some nice people in there, but we're just like, yeah, they're bad. Maybe,
0: yeah. So, I, uh, I I don't know which you'd be. I-
2: I'd like to just be in a like a group of people that are uh, pretty empathetic that I could learn from them, and they wouldn't they would judge me when they wouldn't judge me too hard when I failed because I I turn a lot of stuff into actual shit, probably with the magic one thing. So I'd love a group of people to would be like ah, okay it's just- oh
0: I mean to be fair I think the chat is very much saying that you are a Hufflepuff
2: Hufflepuff Hufflepuff
0: that's I, fe- I feel like do
2: what do the Hufflepuffs puff Ooh. Yeah,
0: I feel like everyone yeah everyone's decided for you um I, Nadia wanted to know what have you learned about yourself from playing Citric is there anything that you've kind of picked out on I guess playing that role I
2: think that's something that people kept uh, coming back to like, Oh, we want him to, for more lines, this and that. And over time I, as a, as an artist, I was like, I should talk more or something, but I, what I've learned. And that was very important. I think in the past year that I just need to listen more, Just need to listen more. Cause there's a, just in this case as well, I caught myself numerous times. Like I'm here to learn, but I'm like just shut up, listen. So I feel like that's one lesson. I think that's a
0: lesson for everybody out there. Just sometimes, listen, just listen a bit more. Just
2: listen, and and um, I think I think especially in this last last stretch of it, I think there's a very interesting lesson that we've, me and Mark, we both learned about being supporting our artists, supporting actors, not not being the number one one but I feel like there's an art of, of how do you open up your, you know, you're just, cause you're all telling your stories, but you, you're trying to elevate this. So I think, I hope I'd like to think that I've learned a bit of selflessness. I'd like to think it's, it's only other people can tell me that and the track record itself can tell, but I'd like to think that and uh, a bunch of cool stunts. I've learned so many like things that I come on to new jobs and they're like, Oh, okay and only because i've been on the show for so long i never think about it that way because you're constantly a student just like here well you learn you learn you learn and then you step out and people are like wow you can do that and you're like oh okay yeah
0: perfect perfect answer so marissa is trying to get us the um the click beta headline here so who's your who's your favorite last kingdom character So like, <laughs> she's trying to divide <laughs> the opinions
2: Ooh, it's very, very hard to say. Like to have like one, one person that stands out. I remember that back when that character was still alive, I I always wanted to see Ethelwald. I really wanted to see him because that she just dislike him so much, mm-hmm. you know. But because his performance is so good, I don't know. I think I'd I'd lean ethelwald and and uh this is just just... because (laughs) the level just to think about just to think about eliza's journey as an actor throughout all the seasons everybody hated her and people don't don't separate an actor and the character people don't separate that so she the people would hate on her and then in the last season she's like boom gets this redemption and all of a sudden she's everyone's favorite and i like that uh I think that's a interesting psychological observation about humans
1: in general. I think so. There you it's go. Kind of scary that people don't separate, like yeah, like that actor, kid, like
2: that kid of Game of Thrones who was the 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 guy who was season four. I can't remember. I haven't watched it. So you'd come back to Ireland and people are throwing bricks at him. Oh, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah.
0: What? Oh, I mean, he's a he's an he's a naughty boy. Yeah, you,
2: see, <laughs> me. you know, you talking about I hate that guy. It's like. Yeah. It's a
0: a nice guy, but we like we don't but that was the same with the the bad guy in the the, the fifth series of um the last kingdom like when you when you get the the bad guy who you fucking hate as like if I see you in person like I'm not gonna like you and I know it's not you, but I'm <laughs> not gonna like you like that's a that's good it's, writing, and you know you're on the i same mean
1: um uh, karate kid the 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 bad guy from karate Kid, right
0: right he's <laughs> right yeah. he's like that?
1: the example of this i I love that they turned that into a story actually mm-hmm, they did yeah.
0: yeah yeah so yeah no that's uh yeah, that's a good point we let's wrap this up let's let's get you out of here honest your your lights
2: fading you're disappearing <laughs> <laughs> guys can i from my from my end i'd like to really really thank you because i i was coming in today I, I was preparing that, yes, I'm going to learn, but both of you, Matthias, you're a very, very fascinating man. And uh, I can't wait to to come back and get my mind blown a lot more. Dan, no more props. We've got, you got them. You got the best. One. <laughs> Thank you so much for organizing this. And I, I like
0: the way Mateus got. You're a fascinating man, and I got no more props. <laughs> man, <it's laughs> what, it's I thought we were friends. We've been Dude, talking I for started, like three
2: years. I started the podcast from saying all just the nice things to you. It was like if I finish, if I end on the same note, that would just be, be bad storytelling. All
1: right, <laughs> it's got a point. Um, th-
0: th- all right. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for joining us, Arnas. This Thanks. was great fun.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Um obviously you don't need our help, but shout out your your Instagram or anywhere that Listen, you'll be able to check out. Just
2: keep, keep following these guys and I'll be around. So you'll find me as Arnas Fetterman, But uh, but just keep following these guys and let's 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 get back here soon and, and learn some more. All right. Perfect. So, like keep, all right. Go to it's a bit dark, but again, Horns of Odin. This is my favorite shirt. Uh, I have a there bunch of go. these and horns. So please go get, well, maybe we'll do a collab of some sort in the future. I don't know. We'll see. We should. We should. God bless you all, guys.
0: Definitely. All right. If you, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating, positive review, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to watch the show live and get to ask your questions to people like Arnest, obviously next time he's on, we'll do, we're definitely going to have to do a and a Q&A again. Um, yeah, just follow the Patreon. It's just Patreon forward slash naughty mythology podcast. Mateus, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, you can you can still find me on Instagram. It's now- it's not pretty, but I'm there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you can find me Daniel and Scott and One or obviously at Horns of Birdie. Alice, thank you very much. This was everything that I hoped it would be. Um, you know, we've been we've been speaking for a while and we've been trying to set this up, and I knew I knew when, when it happened. It would be golden and i think that's i think that's what we got
2: thank you so much everyone and thank you everyone for turning up and uh just keep being where you're being god bless you
0: all right man take it easy thank you very much